Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. For long-suffering Nuggets fans, which is, well, I mean, everybody, I guess. They've never won a title before. So, I mean, long-suffering Nuggets fans, uh, the idea of Nug life, of course, all the other challenges that have been going around for uh, decades. This feels uh, almost too good to be true. Joining us to get a little perspective on it is our friend Andrew Feinstein, one of the original founders of Denver Stiffs. One of the longest, uh, the founder, uh, yeah, they're the longest running of uh, uh, fan sites for yes. a long time in Denver for all sports. Uh, originally started, by the way, we won't mention it because we have him on every week. That's firegeorgecarl.com. But then, of course, moved along and we morphed into the way, your relationship Sandy, because with George. of Sandy. Sandy yeah. gets full credit. We can talk yeah. about that. If you Sandy, want, the yeah. co host of Truth and Basketball podcast every week with George Carl. So, uh, yes, uh, we, I wanted to touch base on that with, with you, Andrew, because, uh, you know, you started this with a, with a crew, then some of whom are, are still with uh, with us here and still working with the side, still working with uh, Miley Sports in, in capacities as well. And just look at the Nuggets when you started it and compared to where it is. But let's just start to where it was and, and think about where this started at. You mean Stiffs itself, like 2008? Yeah. yeah. Um, so 2008. 2008 uh, at least wasn't all that bad. It mean, wasn't all that yeah. bad, but it was like, and, and, and Sandy will appreciate this because he, I think he read a lot of it and coached me behind the scenes on how to make it better. But it was like, it was almost like um, late 1980s, 1990s angst that yeah, was oh, building up no in, inside no me doubt, right. that inspired me to launch a the ghost of Bertram Lee right the ghost of Bertram <laughs> Lee the ghost of the ghost of uh, Bernie Bickerstaff yeah. Peter Bino Robert Wessler yeah, and you and, got it and it was just building up inside me and I wanted to do this fan blog at the time I was a syndicated cartoonist and an animation producer so I had somewhat of a feel for you know uh being a you know articulating your point of view in the public etc and it was just building up inside me building up inside me and here we are in the oos get to your point sean we should think about where we were right so right. here we are in the oos and we're finally tasting some success you know george carl comes in and i wrote this all the time he really he amplified a decent team into a good team you know when he came exactly. on board what was that sandy oh four oh five i think yeah, was his yeah. First season. well it was um, um, 42 games I guess into the 0405 right. season where he went had been and eight. fired. Yes. Michael Cooper was brought in, yeah. uh, was completely out of place. 
They fire Michael Cooper, and George is out there having been dismissed a year or two earlier by the Milwaukee Bucks. So I remember Michael Cooper made the Denver Stiffs interim head coach Hall of Fame <laughs> alongside <laughs> some others. Um, but anyway, so George comes in. They go 32-8. and eight. Remember, Sandy, was the best record ever for a 40, win, 40 games of a coach replacement or whatever that record is. Yeah. And there was a lot of optimism. But then the first-round loss in 05, first-round loss in 06, first-round loss in 07. You know, and, and we're getting first into... first-round loss in 08, well, which was, you anticipated. Yeah, which I anticipated. And, and, and I, I was putting the hat on of the season ticket holder, the taxpayer, if you will, with a lot of frustration. And it wasn't so much that they were losing in the first round. They were never necessarily favored. It was the decimation with which they were losing. And the complete inability to win on their home floor. Correct. Which Correct. was true. They beat San Antonio in game one in San Antonio in 05 and did it again in 07. Correct. And then lost the next four games. Correct. In 06, uh, they won, I think, one home game. Am I right on that? Against the Clippers? Against the Clippers, but lost the other games. So that Sean, was let's put series. this in perspective, where we were. In yeah. 2006, the Clippers had never won a playoff series. That's right. We were the first to, right. to get taken That's down by the Clippers. Right. Not good. So anyway, right. I, I probably vented my frustration in the wrong direction uh, in terms of the coach at the time. Uh, it was really meant to be a Nuggets blog, not a Fire George Carl right, blog. right. But George and I had our moment post-Fire George Carl. We became friends through that process. And, very uh, good friends. And very good friends. And, and, and um, Sandy really coached me. I remember, I'll never forget, I give Sandy Clough full credit. Sandy said, you're a good writer. You have a good point of view. But no one's going to take you seriously if that's the name of your blog. Right? I, I, I said basically, and true today, I suppose, there's so many Fire the Coach blogs. Sure. Or websites around the country. You'll you'll be lost in a sea well, of fire, and the eventually coach. the coach will get fired because they all get fired, and then you have to rename it. You know <laughs> what are you going to do? And I'll say this, Andrew, because I I said it at the time. Andrew is one of the most talented people I've ever encountered in my life, not just professionally, but and his his talent and the and the way Denver Stiffs was presented, it had too much potential to be dragged down into this uh, debate on whether the coach should be uh, fired or not. And the Nuggets had many uh, internal quirks at the time. <laughs> to be diplomatic. <laughs> yes, quirks. Uh, among players and, frankly, uh, among management. And there is no doubt that George always was sort of quirky himself. Oh, That's a, why was, when I said yes. earlier Mike Malone is quirky, I don't mean that purely as a criticism. And let's, but you know, and, and it, I'm not going to tear anyone down. A ton take of over coaches it. are quirky, including After some very good ones. They went to the finals in that 08-09 season. They exited in the first round, four more straight years. So I mean, e- even when it felt like the Nuggets had were building to something and had potential, something kept happening to derail it over and over and so, over. Yeah. So again, where where we are then from then to now. So yeah. I, Right. Again, I'm giving Sandy full credit again because he, he deserves mm-hmm. it. I changed the name to Denver Stiffs because that was an homage to the past. Yes, yeah, but Mull, also, of course, but also repre- it also represented where we are as a franchise. We are the ultimate Stiffs. We're good yeah. enough to make the playoffs, not good Which enough to do anything. Which is the worst place to be yeah, in the, yeah. at the NBA, especially yes. at that time, right. pre-CBA. Oh. You're in limbo. You're just good enough to never get a lottery pick. Totally. Right. Yes. And we had a lot of fun with it. You know, we had the Stiffs Hall of Fame. We had the yeah. uh, the Lifetime Achievement Award. Bernie was a recipient of that. Isaiah, <laughs> Isaiah Thomas An unwilling was a, Yeah, recipient. Isaiah Thomas was a recipient of that. We had a lot of fun with that stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, where we are today versus now 
is um, look at the end of the day, you got to give management credit. I mean, it starts at the buck stops at the top, and Stan and Josh Kroenke are doing something right to win a Super Bowl, a Stanley Cup, and now be here. Yeah. I mean, and I and look, I, I texted with Tim Connolly before the finals. I said, "You deserve a lot of credit. You built this team that got us here." And he's being very humble, and he replied something like. You know, we got lucky with some draft picks, but we all know it's more than that. And Calvin Booth, I think, has done a terrific job of tinkering around the edges and making some decisions I'm not sure Tim Conley would have made. And we need have. to throw a little bit of love yeah. to because it kind of serves his way, of course. Yeah, of course. Large responsibility. But where we were then versus now yeah. is culture. Oh, yeah. And I've got to give yeah. my friend Masai Ujiri a lot of yeah. credit. I still do a lot of stuff with Masai. He set a baseline for culture when he got here. He wouldn't. He refused to tolerate the culture that he inherited, okay? And then that was handed off to Tim Connolly, who led us to Calvin, and here we are. So it starts at the top. And then at the end of the day, you got to have great players, and we are blessed. I'm not a religious person, but we are blessed with the Nikola Jokic era. And we may have just gotten screwed the last two years by Jamal Murray's injury. We don't know for sure, and I think that you had to get Bruce Brown, and you had to oh, get... Oh, no doubt. And I, I think that's, that's get, the point that I think you had to get Caldwell yes. Pope, and you had to get Christian Brown. Too. And we talked about that with, with Calvin uh, with Calvin Booth. We've talked about that, and I, I, I give Tim Connolly a lot of credit to it. Like, like I told Sandy, I was actually on it in Minneapolis earlier today, and they were asking me about Tim Connolly. Wow. So like, please tell us there's hope. Uh, but I don't believe Tim Connolly makes the move for Contavious Caldwell Pope because it would require trying away I agree with Will you. Barton and Monte Morris. You. I don't think Tim would have made it. I think it took Calvin Booth to make it. I agree. And I took Calvin Booth to, to look at it and say, if I'm building something around Jokic as a nucleus and everybody has to support what he does, then you go sign Bruce Brown. Then you go draft Christian Brown. But those are moves that I think Booth made that Connolly doesn't. And sometimes that's where... Uh, I, I think ownership does deserve some credit because despite the fact there's been some turnover, there is still continuity in the way the organization has been run. And you can make as many complaints as, as you want to and as justified as they are uh, about the, the television contract. I say that being a host on one of the Altitude's television programs mm-hmm. at times. So, I mean, I, I get it. But at the same time, uh, this has been uh, an ownership group that has, in the end, and the worry was early on that that wouldn't be the case that has put their money where their mouth is. The Nuggets are a luxury tax team. The Nuggets have three max players. Uh, they have done what every other top team has done. There's just nobody else that's that's dramatically outspending them. They understood their talent. They recognized it. They paid them. And then they've been willing to make the moves to, to make that change. And so coming at, watching at it from top down and then uh, watching it evolve from Masai to Connolly to Booth, uh, it's almost as if we can't get to this phase unless things almost unfold exactly the way that they did. And I would actually say that even includes the injuries to Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. because they don't land Porter Jr. And Jamal Murray, I think the un- the understanding there for the Nuggets team, including Jokic, this doesn't happen very often. And you know it might never happen. And it can be taken away at any time. And I think the thrust you've seen from this Nuggets team this year to from the beginning to when they took this conference over about Christmas time until now is an understanding. They're not worried about dynasty. They're not worried about anything about that. They're worried about winning this title right now. Everything else can take care of itself later. Well, it's very well said, Sean, and I'll just tell you, <clears throat> amongst my two very good friends here, and I apologize, I haven't seen you guys forever. I never thought this day would come. Until, until, and I actually wrote, the last time I wrote for Denver <laughs> Stiffs, I wrote a guest column a couple years ago, and I had forecasted and hoped for a Bucks nuggets finals. 
And I, I, I thought I call it the stiffs of the East versus the stiffs of the West because yeah. my mom's from Milwaukee. So I grew up going to Bucks games in the wintertime over Christmas break. And I watched Paul McKeskey and Randy Brewer, just like we had, you know, Danny Shays and Blair Rasmussen and Joe Kopicki. I always thought, how poetic would this be that here's Giannis Antetokounmpo, 15th pick, nobody knew about him, versus Jokic, 41st pick, no one knew about him. Now we're off by a couple of years, it didn't happen. But, but, but the, the Bucks should be the inspiration for Denver because if you can win an NBA championship in Milwaukee with a 15th pick as your best player, then you can win a championship in Denver. And so I thought once the Bucks won it, I was convinced that stiff's no more. The day has come that we could actually do this. Yeah, and it, it, it had to all come together in precisely the way it did. And I'm reading uh, John Hollinger, a former executive in the NBA, on the athletic site today. And I, I thought he made a point, and it's a little wonky, but I think it captures what, what you just said. The Nuggets have mastered how to make the salary cap work for them by not amassing a slew of mid-sized contracts around their stars. Denver's five starters will make nearly $150 million between them next season, which on its own puts the Nuggets just $12 million from the projected tax line. However, nobody else on the team is projected to make more than $5 million once Bruce Brown likely opts out of his deal. Instead, Denver has filled out its roster with rookie contracts and veterans on minimum or near-minimum deals. The Nuggets are set up to keep this going, having added two late first-round picks in 2022. Christian Brown and Peyton Watson who between them will make $4.5 million next year. Both are signed through 2026. Brown, 22, is already a key rotation player, likely to take over Brown's sixth-man role. Watson is only 20 and was on the verge of cracking the rotation late in the season as a defensive specialist. And that is Calvin Booth and a little bit of Tim Connolly, but I have to say a lot of Josh Kroenke. Oh. And maybe a little Stan Kroenke, too, now that Stan is free to assume whatever interest he has yeah. in the Nuggets. So, yeah, I was fortunate to bump into uh, Stan and Josh at, in Utah for All-Star Weekend, and, and it was great to catch up with them. And I thanked him as a lifelong fan, and, and they said, hey, of all people, <laughs> you would you would appreciate it. I mean, I'm turning 48 this year, so this whole notion of 47 years in the NBA yeah. it literally coincides with, your with my entire life. I mean, I was basically one year, I was, uh, one year old when they went to the ABA Finals, which, by the way, I think it's laughable that everyone's bragging about how they were in an ABA final. There were seven teams right, in the league. Right. Seven. Well, seven. I'll tell you this, though. Yes. And I think you know this. The Nuggets and the Nets were a hell of a lot better than the Suns and the Celtics, the NBA finalists oh, that same I, year. I agree. And I say that yes. as a person who at that time was an NBA snob. You were an NBA. New York. Well, and also, I mean, I've been thinking about the past, especially knowing I was going to come on with you today, Sandy, but thinking about the past, like, it's just unfortunate that team rolled into the NBA, had the best cut record in the West, but lost to that Portland team in the second round. Wow. Couldn't beat Seattle the next year in the Western Conference Finals. Right. But, but right. That, that was no, definitely... No, they had two teams, yeah. and Walton himself has told me on a number of occasions, uh, most all of them public remarks that in 1977 
far and away the two best teams in basketball, although their regular season records didn't necessarily indicate this, were the Portland Trailblazers and the Denver Nuggets. He said, this is Philadelphia, are you kidding me? Denver yeah. would have swept them just like we did after losing the first two games. Denver would have swept them. And, and he, he said, that, you know, the Laker team we beat had Kareem and nobody else. This is pre-Magic. He said, if we hadn't won, if we hadn't won that series, and that series was close, uh, in fact, I went back and looked at that series. Issel outplayed Walton twice. Walton outplayed Issel twice, and it was a wash in the other two games. Thompson was excellent in the series. Portland won because they had come together under a great coach, Jack Ramsey, and the Nuggets still had these little fissures that prevented them from beating Portland, but the Nuggets were better than anybody else that year. They just had the misfortune to play their first playoff round against the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, and so, but, but I've been thinking about that series. Again, I was two <laughs> when that series <laughs> happened. But my point is, is I've literally, and you both know this, I've grown up with this team. That's why the site's called Denver Stiffs. And um, for me to be in my 47th, 48th year of life, and here's the Nuggets with their 47th year of NBA life, to see them on the verge of winning an NBA championship, I don't want to jinx anything. Um, I, 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 I'm speechless. I'm and they'd be the only the, only the – uh... Second ABA team to do it. Behind only San Antonio. San Antonio. Yeah, yeah. Indiana and Brooklyn. Uh, well, the Nuggets had that. Yeah, had the, uh, the, the horrible uh, record of being, what, one of six NBA teams never to go to the finals. But right. four of them are recent expansion well, teams, sure, and, the, yeah, and the six yeah, is yes. the Clippers. Right. No, and so, nobody has spent 47 years yeah. trying to get to the finals yeah. the way the Nuggets yeah, 44 playoff series in their entire history. Right. Uh, th- that's the longest that any team will have gone without claiming well, uh, a finals. The Nets got there and the Pacers got there and the Nuggets until this year never did. And, right. and, and it's just it's a remarkable story. And I know the NBA takes over the finals, but I, for one, think it's a shame that while I'm thrilled that Dan Essel and Alex and David Thompson tonight have all been featured at these three Nugget home games in the finals. And again, I know it's not up to the Nuggets entirely. In fact, not at all. It's the NBA's deal. But I think it's a shame that all living members of that 1976 ABA finals teams haven't been honored. Now, Dan was on it, and David was on it. David Thompson, by the way, will be taking the first shot tonight. By the way, I don't like the first shot, by the way. It's too far. I don't know why they're doing it. Yeah, I don't either. But I'm glad they're being honored. Yes, I'm glad they're being honored, too. who are still very much in town and very much would love to go to the games should have been able to go and should have been honored, in my opinion. But the NBA still hates the ABA, and any mention of the ABA sends the NBA into a state of mind reminiscent of where the NBA was 50 years ago with respect to the ABA. The NBA, including Adam Silver, still believes they're fighting a war against the ABA. Even though it's long since settled. So you'll appreciate this, Sandy. So when my mom was in the maternity ward when I was going to be born, she was in there with Ralph Simpson's wife. So I was born at the same time as Ralph Simpson's son. And my mom was proud that I came out larger than Ralph Simpson's son because he was an ABA player at the time. So I've had this <laughs> and quite a good one. Very good one. So I've had this connection to the Nuggets, literally the Nuggets. And uh, Carl Shear was a personal friend and a mentor of mine. Um, uh, may Carl he rest Shearer in peace. is my all-time hero, yeah. uh, who did more for my career uh, than anybody, save for maybe Ron Sapolo and Al Albert wow. over yeah. the years. Yeah, and Al's a longtime friend as well. So just for the, for all of those, for you and that whole crew, going back to the 70s, the 80s, that's what this is all about, and I'm just pumped. 
and uh, thrilled that I get to be there tonight. I took my kids I to their first Carl, Nuggets game this though, year. I, yeah. you know, and I think of the other guys, too. I think of Larry, and I think of Doug, and I think of George, of course. But I really think of Carl because we, you know this, we would not have a Denver Nuggets team Without, if not for no. Carl Shear. He was the godfather. He was the godfather of the Denver Nuggets. Literally. And they had shaky ownership that was, uh, I'll use uh, a softer word than the one I'm really thinking of, <laughs> that, that was uh, messed with during the merger, yes. as the other ABA teams yes. were. Yes. They were all basically thrown into a state this close to bankruptcy. Yeah. And yet Carl Shear found a way to preserve the Denver Nuggets for this city. 100%. 100%. So this this win tonight. The other thing I, I said this I've said this to folks who will listen to me. Uh, and this is the this is actually the good part I think of like Jokic and Murray. They don't care. You know, they they didn't grow up with this with this stain Wait, on their yeah, this, yeah. Right, they don't yeah. care. They don't care. They don't, I, I don't think they know who Doug Moe is. And I'm not, and that mean, and, and that's okay. Way, and Doug that's would be okay. fine with that. There's the, that's oh, one of the names up in right. the rafters, right? right. Yeah. They, they don't have, they don't come with the weight. That's a great word, Sean. They don't come with the weight. You know, playing the Lakers, they don't care that the Nuggets were 7, 0 oh 7 against the right. Lakers until a month care. ago. They don't did care. Not. And, and uh, they're just uh, otherworldly, and uh, let's hope we get to celebrate tonight. Andrew, where can people find you? Because you're doing a lot more than what we talked about. Oh, you know what? Let's just refer folks to denverstiffs.com, which is now proudly hosted at Mile High Sports. Um, I may be writing a column after they win, coming <laughs> out of column retirement. I look forward to and, that. And uh, I am going to be working with you guys, just so your listeners know. I mean, I'm going to be working with you guys and the management here at uh, Mile High Sports to uh, – reinvent Denver Stiffs in the offseason, and we're going to come back this fall with some exciting things for the fans. Well, we'll we're thrilled. To it. Absolutely. We're, we're thrilled. Andrew Feinstein, thank you for joining us, and uh, I guess uh, welcome back. Thanks, we'll man. We'll do a little bit more, Thanks, and uh, what a fun new chapter to be part of. Oh, go Nuggets, guys. Come on. We Thanks, got it. We so got much. it. Well, uh, Sandy will get yelled at, but, yeah. uh, but I will do it, because I would love to see it. I really yeah. would. So, oh, we'd all love to see it. It's a great story, and I think it'll play out. It, it's it's strange for me to watch the Nuggets with such confidence. It's in, yeah. <laughs> By the way, I'm with you. No, no, I'm experience. with you. It's a weird feeling. It's yeah. weird. It's a really weird feeling. I, got I, could, get, I could get the used Broncos to it. that way, and I've right. watched the Avalanche that way, <laughs> and even at times the Rockies sort of kind of that way. I've never watched the Nuggets in the postseason no. the way I've watched them this year with such confidence. Never. And I'm calming all these people who are fans and Still have some of that defeatist, even as you said. Well, if and when they do win, uh, you know, and and that's fine. But I said, you don't have anything to worry about. It's going to happen. Talk to me in six hours. Jokic, (laughs) Jokic is the is the most remarkable player I've ever seen. The maybe the best. The victory, if and when it comes, might be the most improbable in Colorado history for many reasons. We'll talk about it next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. This would be one of those uh, good nights to start winning today with Superbook, by the way. If you get the promo code Mile High, you win about $250 with the first bet bonus, win or lose. 
code Mile High. Easy enough. Check them out at Superbook Sports. The I, I was I was texting with a friend this morning and was asking me another another native here and another guy that had asked me specifically, you know, where would all these titles rank in Denver sports history? And fortunately, I've you know I've seen them all here as as a resident. And I put I put this as one A. And the only reason it's not is because I happen to be a student at the University of Colorado in Boulder when they won the national title. And that, of course, is going to be awfully hard in my own per, you know, personal experience to top. Uh, that one would be tough. But this matches it because the NFL has been built since Pete Rozelle upon parody. And so it was it was always it felt like a matter of time until the Denver Broncos would win a title. Not 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 if but when. The Colorado Avalanche arrived fully formed uh, as well, if they from, won the first year. They were uh, here. Yeah. <laughs> so there was the Avalanche were uh, you know Athena pulling from Zeus's head. Poof, here they are champions. So no problem there. Uh you, you look at even the Colorado Rockies because of the the nature of baseball, there's the possibility someone could get hot in the nature of Colorado when you build the right team around them. <clears throat> ownership actually gives you a puncher's chance to take advantage of the altitude. But the Nuggets, because of the structural nature of the NBA for a long time, a long including time. when I started covering the NBA as a professional for ESPN back in the 90s, essentially eliminated the possibility of a Denver Nuggets team ever realistically winning the NBA championship. Yes, and 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 the miracle run that the Nuggets had in the playoffs is 1994, and they didn't even make the conference finals right. that year. And we thought that was the zenith. Mm-hmm. You know that that was basically about as far as they could hope to get. And some of that was once in a lifetime stuff. Even to get them into a position to play a game seven for in a spot in the conference, conference finals, finals against. The future two-time champion Houston Rockets with Akeem and Clyde Drexler and the whole cast, Kenny Smith and so on. Robert the, Rory. Yeah, Sam Cassell, is a, that team was loaded. But the it, it, it feels to me that this is the most improbable, if and when it happens, the most improbable title in the history. Not, not because the team isn't good enough. It most certainly was. We talked about it. They've dominated the conference yeah. since Christmas. I, I but, think... It, it, but it feels like if there was one team in town that you would tell people for decades, what team will never win a championship? I think most locals would have said without an instant hesitation, the Denver Nuggets. It, yes. Uh, and, and for many years, uh, that was the case. I think less so in recent years. Adam Silver deserves tremendous yes, amount of credit he does. for that because he has given hope to... I don't like to say small market, mid-market franchises such as the Milwaukee Bucks and the Denver Nuggets, and Andrew was exactly right in highlighting those two franchises that upon acquiring the great international stars, Giannis and Jokic, uh, become contenders and will continue to be contenders even as the Bucks uh, have a new head coach. He's a fine young coach deserving of an opportunity, and he will be taking over a team that's uh, primed to win another uh, championship certainly contend strongly for one. Uh, that's a change. Uh, the Avalanche, even the Avalanche needed a boost that first year from the Patrick Waugh trade that was so brilliantly engineered by Pierre Lacroix. And in fact, had Pierre Lacroix been, as he had been the year before, the general manager of the Quebec Nordiques, that trade never would have come about. 
as angry as Patrick was at the Canadians and the Canadians were at Patrick, they never would have traded him to Quebec City. They traded him to Denver to the same franchise, but the franchise is in Denver. The franchise is in another conference by then. And it took the Patrick Waugh trade to really put the Avs over the hump. And it was marvelous that first year because it was still unexpected. The Detroit Red Wings had won 62 games, and it was still unexpected, but not nearly as unexpected as this championship run by the Nuggets and this domination by the Nuggets that we have seen. I think for fans, they'll never be anything like the Broncos winning the Super Bowl for the first time because though you were confident, uh, even John Elway's mother was asking after Denver won the AFC championship game over the Pittsburgh Steelers on their way to uh, what would turn out to be their first Super Bowl title. Even John Elway's mother said to her son, do we really have to go back? Yeah, I. Uh, she didn't believe it I was wasn't, possible. I wasn't all that confident, but I believe it was possible because you know that they they had been and, there. And, oh well, the AFC had also lost thirteen straight uh, Super yeah. Bowls to the NFC, and the Broncos were bigger underdogs than almost any of those other AFC losers, which on three previous occasions had been the Broncos themselves. The very reason why John Elway's mother did not want the Broncos necessarily to go back, but of course, she was. Uh, uh, assured that in order to win it, you have to be in it. And the Broncos were in it. They did win it as a wild card entry that year. And they dominated the next year. And their win at the Super Bowl was, at least around here, the championship that came least surprisingly. I thought there was a good chance they'd match the Miami Dolphins and exceed them that year. And I think if they had beaten the Giants, they would have found a way to go undefeated all the way through, and they would go down in history as the winningest undefeated team of all time in the National Football League, and they forever hold that distinction. Nobody could exceed it. It would only be possible to match it. The, or I suppose now that they've gone to 17 games, somebody could yeah, exceed I, it. I suppose, but the, the, I'll take that back, but you get the idea. The opportunity here is, uh, it, it's it's interesting because I think when you look at the way this this game shakes out, the the Heat do not drop two home games and then win three in a row. This is a foregone conclusion, barring a series of calamities that are almost too unlikely to even envision. And we would say the same thing if the Nuggets were in Miami, unquestionably. Tonight. If, if the Nuggets, if the Nuggets had had dropped two home games and then needed to win the next three, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, you wouldn't have. Uh, let's say Boston would have come through and it would have been reversed, and uh, that they would have been the home team. We'd be saying the same thing. Three-one uh, after dropping your your two home games, three-one's uh, bad enough. Three-one after dropping your two home, uh, it's not happening. The, I don't think the Nuggets. Uh, I think I think you have it exactly right. I almost put Michael Malone aside, and I don't mean that as a, a anything disrespectful, but this team lives and dies by what Nikola Jokic does. And you have your quintessential happy warrior out there. And as a result, this is a team that always generally plays loose. When you're when you're talking about the, the only the only guy. Michael Porter Jr. has been trying to break some bad habits 
in which, based on the way he grew up, was taught in high school, that, that where if you don't score, you, you didn't do anything. And so he's still trying to break some of those habits. But the funny thing is, you can almost see the gears in his head spinning as he tries to break them and understands that I can contribute even when my shot isn't falling. You can see it; it's coming. And, and he's had a bad series with the exception of game one, but it's coming. Aaron Gordon is delighted. Jamal Murray, who at times can try to put the weight of the world on his shoulders because it's his personality. Seems to was brought up. Have him, it seems to be embracing the understanding. And Nikola Jokic seems to be having, you know, both literally and, <laughs> and metaphorically, has his arms around him. I got you. don't have to lift everything. And, and what do you see from Murray? an ascension to, to the kind of performance that is not when you talked about Hakeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler. I'm sorry. I, I see Jamal Murray playing as well or better than Clyde Drexler in those 90s series. And Clyde Drexler's a, a lock, a top-tier Hall of Famer. J- Jamal Murray in these playoffs and in these finals has been scintillating. He's, he's been in a completely different level. He's looked as good as any guard, more or less, that isn't, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, you know, the elites of the elites that's played in the well, finals. There, He's looked there, as good as anybody. Isn't any player in the history of the game um, who's played the requisite number of playoff games, I suppose, to quote-unquote qualify, who's raised his scoring average from regular season to the playoffs more than Jamal Murray has, and that includes Nikola Jokic. The moment is not too big for him, and Jokic's... Uh, what what did, what did you say before uh, you pointed out that he brought up in, in the press conference? Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. <laughs> the the yes. mindset there of that's that's how these things go. That's how it goes. And I'm 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 of the same mood, regardless, because I know what we can do and will do, and. I've seen a bunch of series start 1-1, and in recent years, there's a tendency to overreact to every playoff win and especially every playoff loss as if uh, every win cinches every series and every loss is doomsday. And he doesn't operate that way. And even Murray said at one point, he understands my moods. This is, He's talking about Jokic, right. a teammate. Yes. He understands my moods and, parenthetically, reacts accordingly. And most of the time, Jamal Murray needs to be reminded that he neither wins nor loses games by himself. Right. Although he was conditioned while growing up to believe that's exactly what he was supposed to do. And he would be the reason his team won or the reason his team lost. And Nikola Jokic was brought up in a different part of the world. And as thinking of the words of Ralph Waldo Emerson, experienced the terror of life in a way that none of us have. And it's, you know, Jamal Murray, I have tremendous respect for, he he grew up, I believe, in Kitchener, Ontario. I I believe. Not Toronto, but Kitchener. Okay? And you have a Serbian and a Canadian providing the one-two tandem unlike any other, perhaps, 
in the history of basketball. Who could imagine that? They played together at the Nike Worlds in 2014. And there's some clips on on YouTube about their interaction. And they talked about it. Both kind of remember it. But who could have imagined nine years ago that those two would emerge as the greatest contemporary tandem in the National Basketball Association? And yet growing up in Serbia ain't growing up in Kitchener. And it's not... Easy, especially, and I, I think there's a very interesting point with that, and I think actually separating Nikola Jokic, the person, even though he hasn't talked about it, uh, from where he grew up actually really matters. And we'll take a look at that perspective. We'll do that and let you know what we think is going to happen tonight. We'll do it next on My Life Sport. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Sandy brought up a really interesting point when you're talking about Nikola Jokic and where some of the perspective comes from. Keep in mind, Nikola Jokic was born in 1995. Right almost, as a matter of fact, in the middle of the roughly 10 years of conflict in Yugoslavia. Civil War. Yes, that involved uh, the breakup into many different countries. Serbia of which is one. Uh, those those countries that have that were Yugoslavia, now uh, Slovenia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Montenegro, Serbia, right. North Macedonia, and Croatia. And I have not been to Serbia. I have been to Croatia. And I remember walking in Dubrovnik with a, with a tour guide. Because remember, uh, these wars ended in 2001. Yes, th- these are not ancient wars. Correct. From not by any stretch. Civilizations from the Fought distant past. Fought with modern weaponry. Yes. Uh, not... not you know, it's not World War II stuff. And, it's not uh, muskets. Right. And uh, walking along one of the walls in the great city of, uh, in Dubrovnik and looking down with our guide, point, pointing out still where there are uh, broken shingles, shells from the clay in the old, in the old city, that, um, from the shelling, because it's only been 20 years. And, and, and this is the not a, it's not a fabulously wealthy part of the world. And you know what? It didn't need fixed. It, it has to wait. And there are still uh, battle scars from that war right in the, the biggest city in, in Croatia, which, by the way, has started to been, uh, to rebuild itself as a, a bit of a jewel on the Mediterranean, build something of a, a t- tourist industry to it as well. So it actually has even money, comparatively. A, a lot of the, the former Yugoslavian nations do not. And Serbia of which Jokic was born into. And of course, we, you know, a lot of, you know, about the stories with him and his brothers and growing up and everything, but, and Jokic is probably too young to remember those wars, but his family, his parents certainly are not. And the understanding of trying to rebuild in a different uh, atmosphere and, and uh, in a brand new country just formed in Serbia. You know, as you talk about it, you know, Nikola Jokic from Serbia. Well, it wasn't Serbia when Nikola Jokic was born. These, these were still all sort of things happening. It was a, who knows what was going to occur? So I'm not really surprised that Nikola Jokic looks at a basketball game, and especially any seven-game series, and you lose one, and he's kind of like, meh, we, you have to win four, right? I, I'm not surprised that that's his and mentality. And you have to lose four to be eliminated. Right, and in the end, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, right, you have to lose four. We, we lost one. Yeah. This, is a, this is a basketball game. 
It's, it's not life and death. One small loss is not everything. You know you're not going to go unbeaten. You don't sweep everybody. And, and as simple as that sounds, the mindset that Jokic has that sometimes uh, we get too involved, I think, where we look at the Jordan, you must, you must humiliate your opponents to be a champion mentality is the only way to win. Jokic's ring is going to sparkle every bit as much. As anybody else's. I agree. And there there are people uh, growing up uh, the world over who may be looking at this game tonight, which is available to be seen in, I don't know how many different countries it is now in right. the NBA, right? Dozens and dozens of countries. And say, that's who I want to be. I think you're already seeing that's it. who I want to be. You're seeing it among American players. You can watch the they watch the March Madness tournament. You could see centers trying to be that. Jokic is reinventing the center position. But the part that I think we can talk about his game and how how amazing it is. But I think you hit it on the head when we started today. It is the leadership and the approach and the mentality and the personality of Nikola Jokic as much as it is his on court ability. I agree. Because one informs the other. That That's I think when you look at and the final analysis, with all due respect to playoff Jamal, who's been legit, and, and Aaron Gordon, and Michael Malone, and, and Jokic doesn't win this series on his own, takes the whole team. You pointed out correctly, Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown were the two best players in game four. They were. I mean, but this Jamal team, Murray shot five for 17 and had 15 points. Nikola Jokic shot eight for 19 and had 23 points. This team is where it is. Because... Of who Nikola Jokic is, not necessarily the player. And I, I have, like I said, growing up here before, I'd taken at taken it as essentially gospel that there would never be a more celebrated or significant athlete in the history of Denver than John Elway because of the timing, because of Denver's first Super Bowl, because of uh, the the Denver. It's hard to go back and picture Denver the late seventies, early eighties. You were on radio then doing it. It's a very different city. I am no longer sure that's going to not always be the case. I am, in fact, no longer sure if they win this title that John Elway is the greatest athlete to ever play in Denver. And I say that on the cusp of a title. I, I think he'll always, because he came first, have, have that special place. Mm-hmm. And he did it for the Broncos, who will always be uh, the defining team in this city in the hearts and minds of Millions upon millions of people in this region, not just in Denver. But Jokic's impact is international. Correct. Imagine a Denver Nugget being the number one basketball star on the international stage. And what does that even mean Something for the Nuggets? Something that John Elway never could. What was that for the Nuggets? The, the idea the Nuggets are some flyover team. Are you kidding? No, they're the home of maybe the biggest star on the right. planet. And they are and the, recognized internationally as the class of the NBA. And I assure time. you, folks, with, and I'm not necessarily poking fun at Americans either, but uh, if you could locate Serbia on a map for me, congratulations. And I say that not as an insult. I say that as, do you know how many people in Europe can tell you where Denver is compared to Milwaukee compared to same thing? They don't care. They don't care. They, they see the shots outside the stadium. They're like, wow, Denver looks nice. Denver looks pretty. Jokic seems to love it there. He's basically playing his entire career there. I want to go to Denver. 
Jokic is making it a global destination for athletes. Despite the reputation that it already had as a pretty good one to begin with, the Olympic Training Center's here. And this still the only city in the too. history of the Olympics to ever turn one down. And Messiah Jerry was, uh, I think, primarily responsible for this, but the Nugget organization had to hire Messiah Jerry, who became a big believer in the international game uh, along the way and is still working on projects to uh, further that notion that basketball is truly the international game up there with soccer and that people from anywhere in the world can aspire someday to be on the major professional sports stage here in America. And yes, it started with the Olympics in 1992 and David Stern was a primary architect behind uh, the dream team. And from a competitive standpoint, a lot of us thought it was kind of a joke and competitively it was, but the long range impact was something that David Stern did recognize. And that was during his first 15 years on the job when he was in fact, I believe uh, during those first 15 years, the greatest commissioner of all time in major professional sports, better than Pete Rozelle, better than anybody. Uh, his last 15 years were not the same as his first 15 years, but during his first 15 years, he established basketball for the first time as truly an international game. And this was a game that uh, even in America was dead in the late 1970s. Mm -hmm. NBA finals games were on at 1130 at night on tape delay after the news. I I will. I have to give. So he deserves credit for that. that. Larry O'Brien never had that kind of vision. Good man, but never had that kind of vision and was an undistinguished commissioner of uh, the National Basketball Association, as was Walter Kennedy before him. Uh, But Adam Silver now has taken the NBA, and the Cronkies uh, and Messiah Jerry have taken the Nuggets into a sphere, and Jokic now is, is the end result, into a sphere they never could have imagined occupying 10 years ago. Could never have imagined this time would come along from a competitive standpoint, but the impact of the Nuggets internationally is, I think, unmatched. And it's just growing. That's the thing. It may just be getting started. Very remarkable moment. Enjoy the game tonight. If you are headed down there, whether to catch the game in the stadium or anywhere downtown, you know, be safe, be respectful. And celebrate peacefully. Yeah, celebrate responsibly. You know, uh, boy, we have, a, we have a nice town. Let's not, uh, let's not mess with it anymore than it needs to be. But enjoy, uh, enjoy the moment, Denver. You absolutely deserve it. We look forward, uh, win or lose, the Denver Nuggets are on the right track one way or another. We will be talking about it tomorrow. Thanks so much to Andrew Feinstein for joining us and giving us that great uh, sort of historical perspective, this look back on what might Mm -hmm. be a momentous day in Colorado sports history. Uh, Check out denverstiffs.com. So glad to be partnered with them here at Miley Sports. Danny Bailey's in the booth making everything look and sound wonderful. We can't wait to get back at it. Uh, I will say, you can yell at me all you want if you're media. Go Nuggets. I wanted to see this as I was a child. And you know what? You don't get into this business unless you love sports. That's why I got into it. I would love to see it. I'd love to see it for each and every one of you, too. Enjoy the night. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Mile High Sports. Back down.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.